you know, if it makes sense and the returns look good um, and it's a win, I hate to say win-win, mutually beneficial for both us and the sponsor, then we're going to take a look at it. Um, I would say though that 80 to 90% of the deals I look at don't make it to my investors because it just doesn't meet our criteria or um, we just feel it's not a good fit. What's going on guys? This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is John Rubino from JID Investments. Today, we're going to talk about risk mitigation for real estate investors. John has a background in real estate investment, syndication, raising capital for very big deals uh, in the D.C. area and other areas as well. Today, he's going to teach us about ways he uses to mitigate risk in his deals. For those of you that are new and don't know who I am, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I am a busy professional. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate syndicator who buys multifamily with passive investors. I love talking about investing and real estate and learning with others, learning with you and bringing you the best information that we can find on real estate investing for busy professionals. Thank you for joining us once again. Without further ado, here we go with our interview with John Rubino. John, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Taylor. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's great to be on with you tonight. Happy to talk to you. Like you said, tonight we're recording. It's, uh, it's, a, it's well, it's only quarter after 7 p.m., but uh, that's it. Yeah, not too bad. But uh, we're both burning the midnight oil here a little bit, but we won't complain about that too much. Can you tell us about your, your interesting history and how you got into real estate syndication? Yeah, sure. So I'm a 20-year Navy vet. I was a pilot in the Navy, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I got into real estate back in 2004, 2005 when I was stationed down in Southern Maryland, did some active investing, some uh, rehab, renovation, uh, new construction properties, and uh, I got the bug. I, I loved it, and, uh, but I knew I wanted to stay in. I had a family of uh, two at the time. We have, we have four kids now, my wife. We did an overseas tour in Italy and an instructor pilot tour in Texas. And I took about $200,000 of money I earned on, that, and on my time when I first started. And I invested with a very good friend of mine who now runs a $400 million development company. And wow. uh, he just had gotten started. He's been my mentor. And he's the guy that, um, you know, I kind of invested with passively for about a good seven year period. And the nice part about that was I was getting all the deals that uh, he was making money on. So I was doing the underwriting. I was doing the reviewing of the, of the, um, the packages and getting used to everything. And when I moved back to Washington, D.C., where I am now, back in 2011, after my first year at the Pentagon, get my butt kicked. Um, I decided, hey, I, I know I'm going to be retiring the Navy in a few years. I, I want to kind of stick with real estate. I want to um, I want to try what I did passively with my buddy and I want to expand on that. So I started talking to some friends. I started to, uh, I had a lot of friends in the Navy, obviously. I have a big family and started uh, sharing some concepts and strategies for this. And uh, the guy I went to who really was excited about it was my accountant at the time, who's now our company financial officer, chief financial officer. And um, he and I decided to put this little plan together. Uh, it took a full year to get the ball rolling. And uh, really the concept was to bring in equity and private money to uh, developers, sponsors, operators, investors, and single family, residential, commercial, mixed use real estate, uh, anything that made sense from a real estate perspective that he and I thought were a good, a good fit, we would take a look at. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, in 2013, we launched the business 
uh, started very small, a single family renovation, anywhere from $100,000 to $200,000 of capital. And my partner and I, along with a small group of investors, maybe three to four, started funding the projects. And uh, from there, we started to grow. We started doing more single family renovation. We started growing in our investors. And again, you know, you're learning something every day. You're learning something every time you do a new deal. You take your bumps and your bruises. But the good thing was, I was still in the Navy. I was still getting paid every two weeks. And if I was going to get my book kicked, that was the time to get it because it really prepared me to, to be a business owner and to do this full time when I came out of the Navy uh, back in 2017. So now that I'm doing it full time, um, I'm loving it. I've gotten a good track record. We have great performance. We've done 15 deals, six and a half million and two and a quarter million in revenue. We're, uh, we're overseeing five amazing projects right now, 12 million in investment, uh, projected at 12 million to 15 million in revenue. And so it's, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. It, 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 I'm in front of people every day. I'm sharing what we're doing with the business. And, um, you know, we have two kind of pots of people we work with. One is the sponsors and the developers and the other are the investors. So you kind of balance those out. And as a syndication owner, you know, you're the person in the middle. You're, you're making sure that the uh, sponsors um, get, you know, what they need and you're making sure the investors get what they need. And so it's a, it's a great business for people who are type A personalities and like to network and talk and share. And it's really exciting. So I guess that's the best way to answer a short question. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. You have a great experience. I'd like to touch on, uh, when we get started here, I'd like to touch on mitigating risk, especially for passive investors in real estate development. It can be a risky business. You know, if, if things turn south, it can go very badly. How do you think about that, um, especially from a passive standpoint, uh, in, in terms of mitigating risk on your development investments? Yeah, I mean, so before we even look at a project, ideally, we're doing our due diligence on the companies we want to work with, right? And, and ideally, it's a company that was referred to me or I met through a connection, which I prefer because obviously it's a good connection there. And I do my due diligence on the company. So I, I talk to them. I do some background on them. I, I review what they've done. The most important thing to me, especially now where we are in the real estate cycle, is experience, right? I want to work with people that are experienced. They're not trendsetters. They're doing what they've done for their career or for the last 10 years with the down and an up cycle. And um, that's to me the most important is making sure they're experienced and they know what they're doing and it's a product they've done before. So to me, that's the, the most important thing. Um, if there's a good connection with us and they like us and we like them, we're a good fit for them uh, and, uh, and they're a good fit. For us, we'll continue the conversation. We'll start looking at financials. We'll start looking at projects. We'll walk some projects with them. Um, we'll meet the team. We'll go through the executive board. Uh, we'll make sure they know that when we call them, we want to talk to the president, not somebody sitting in the back office. And the same with me is if they call me and they need information, I'm an open book. They're going to get me. They're going to get my information and transparency to the, to the, to the brim. Um, and then the second thing to me that's the most important when you're looking at an opportunity is the location right? Where are you going to invest? Are you going to invest in a market that has a decreased population, high tax rates, high cost of living, crappy quality of life, no jobs, schools are terrible, you know? No, I don't want that market. I want Atlanta, which is the fourth largest market growing. I want Raleigh, Durham. I want Washington, DC. And I'm just throwing these at you because those are the markets we're investing in. Um, I want to be in markets where taxes are low, the sun's out, 
300 of the 365 days out of the year, people are smiling and we're in big cities. We want to be around Metro. We want to be around where people want to live, work, eat and play. And that's what we're looking. So experience of the developer uh, and good tracker or location. And then of course, you know, the returns, the returns and are, is the risk meet the reward? Uh, or does the reward meet the risk? And uh, you know, you brought up a good point. What are some of the risk things you got to look at? Well, what are the exit strategies? If I'm going to be in a ground up development, new construction project where the, and the end state is to sell, what happens if I can't sell? What if I have to hold because the market shifts or we have a correction? We have to have a plan for that. Um, do, do we have to be involved in capital calls? Capital calls to me is this. I don't want to be involved in a capital call. Am I going to be liable for recourse if the bank comes after the developer? Heck no, I don't want to be in recourse. So these are the different things that I put out there from the company standpoint to the sponsor so they're prepared for success. For the, the investors, how do I make them sleep at night knowing their money's exposed in a second or no position? Well, I don't take any fees, okay? I put in my own money. The developers got to bring in their own money. Again, we're not doing liability for recourse, nor are we um, going to be responsible for any uh, loans, capital calls, totally clear of that. Investors get paid first. They're the king of the castle and the queen of the castle. So until they get paid first, I don't get paid. And my partner, David, and I, we set a preferred interest rate return for those investors. So on a development deal, high risk, high return, they're going to get 12% pref before the company gets paid a dime a year. So if we're doing a three-year project and the project doesn't make at least 36%, the investors are getting everything. Um, the company doesn't get paid. The only way I get paid is an investor. Anything over that, then the company starts making some proceeds. So these are all the things we put in place to make sure that the investors are comfortable. I'm always worried more about protecting their money than I am getting the returns. I know I can get them returns if we hit what we want to do. We got to make sure we protect them. All right. I, I like that a lot. In terms of asset classes that you look for in, in real estate developments, I mean, you're going after single families, triple net properties, you're building new apartment buildings or, or all of the above. I mean, what do those look like now and, and where are the deals in, uh, in this type of market? Yeah, I mean, I'm in Washington, D.C. Amazon HQQ's, or HQ2's coming. So retail here, unless it's quality of life, gyms, nail salons, uh, you know, massage parlors, whatever, we're staying away because triple net around here, unless it's really our industrial, which is good. We're sticking to what we do well, and that's been development and construction of condo, mixed use, ground up, or conversion in Washington, D.C. Um, we know a lot of developers here that are doing it. We know our, we know our market well. Uh, we're doing some stuff down in Atlanta, same thing, mixed use, ground up, new construction, condo product uh, for sale on the back end. But now we're also looking at, hey, maybe we can stay in the deal. Uh, maybe we can rent the commercial space and be owners, cash flowing, and take advantage of that. Uh, three of our deals are in opportunity zones. Maybe we could take advantage of the tax benefits where we take the gains from the initial investment, liquidate, roll it back in as deferred gains for the opportunity zone tax benefits. So that's the other thing we're looking at. But, um, you know, if it makes sense and the returns look good um, and it's a win, I hate to say win-win, mutually beneficial for both us and the sponsor, then we're going to take a look at it. Um, I would say though that 80 to 90% of the deals I look at don't make it to my investors because it just doesn't meet our criteria or um, we just feel it's not a good fit. 
Um, we add value to our sponsors. We know we do. We have a value. We have a value add to them off the bat. We bring in a level of capital that they can't get unless they go out and make the calls I make, uh, or they hire somebody on paying them three hundred thousand dollars a year to go out and bring in new investors. I, I can do that for them very very easily. When they say, John, can you raise me three million dollars? I say, How long do you need? When do I need to give you a commitment? And when do I see the project paperwork? That's really it. And then at that point, I go off and do my thing, working with the investors, working with the sponsor. Because at that point, we're all on the same team. We're all working together. We want everybody to succeed. And uh, we're going back and forth. We're making, making sure that we get what we need. And then um, we put together a formal private placement memorandum package. We get that out to our investors to review. And then they have the opportunity to subscribe on a deal-by-deal -deal basis. So Nice. So in your opinion, I mean, obviously we're not giving any specific advice here, but in your opinion, these real estate developments, who is the ideal investor for this type of development or, or what is the ideal, say, investor criteria? I'm looking to earn this, this, and this, this, you know, this is maybe my profile as a busy professional. I mean, what have you found? Who does this type of thing make the most sense for? You know, I think someone, well, if someone's accredited, they meet the criteria to invest in, in private placement type opportunities. We'd like to talk to them if they have an interest in real estate. Um, to be honest with you, I kind of reverse engineer it. Uh, I don't go out and look for investors or money when I have a deal. I want to bring the investors. I want to bring uh, the folks, the businesses, whether it's self-directed IRAs, whatever they want to utilize to invest. I want to bring them on board to the company before I have a deal. And I want them to get comfortable with me my projects. I want them to walk some of the projects with me. I want them to see me face to face. I want them to read my literature. I want them to get on a call with me and I want them to feel comfortable. And at that point, when they're ready to come on board and join us, we have an accredited investor questionnaire that we send out. They can fill that out on DocuSign. They send back some verification documents to us that they are accredited. And at that point, they're investors in our company. And the only difference between being an investor and not being an investor is I can't share our offering memorandums, performance, and sensitive information from our sponsors and developers with non-investors in our company. Once they sign the paperwork, which has embedded non-disclosure agreements, then they get the chance to see everything we bring to them. Um, they get to see all of the past deals. Somebody like yourself becomes an investor and says, John, I'd like to see three of your completed deals. Heck yeah, here you go. And we show them our package. We let them go through it. We have them ask the question so that when they get the deal, all the prerequisite stuff is done. And, um, and then we can kind of focus on those opportunities. So, yeah, I mean, we have six to eight doctors that have raised $700,000 to invest with us. We have um, cousins and uncles that have self-directed IRAs that invested with us. We got people that are accredited investors out in California that have reached out to us from our website and said, Hey, I, I see what you guys are doing. I like what you're doing. Can I get more information? Absolutely. And, and I love to beat the street meeting new investors every day organically and talking to people because I feel Taylor, I'm blessed. The good Lord's given me something that I feel has been a huge blessing. And I just want to share that. I want to share that with as many people as I can who are interested. Um, there are people we've come across, you know what, what you guys are doing is too risky. I don't like it. You know what? No problem. I wish you all the best. I'm going to be here. If you have questions about other things you're looking on, I'm happy to help you. But to come on board with us just to see what we're doing is, is fantastic. And it gives people the opportunity to decide, hey, you know what? They're doing a cash flow deal. Um, that's in my portfolio. I want to do cash flow. Oh, they're doing development. No, 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 too risky. 
that's fine. You pass on that. No problem. Nice. So as far as commitment or, or um, the amount of times that the amount of time that funds are, are invested is that's one of the big concerns that I found with more uh, development type of projects is they can take a little while there's, there's risk as you uh, execute the business plan, all those things. You know, what have you found is like the ideal, say you have an investor that this is their target in terms of the kind of returns that they want to make or their comfort level or their experience level as an investor from a illiquidity standpoint, if yeah. you will. Yeah. I mean, when you're in a development deal, it could take two years. It could take five years. It could take six years. It all depends on the opportunity. Um, our goal is again to target a return for the investors that is between about 15 to 20% a year on their money. And of course that's deferred when you're doing a development deal because your exit strategy is going to be to sell off the condos or sell off the product. But if we tell them we're going to project to get them a 20% return over four years, then the goal is to get them back first their money and then get them an 80% return on their money. So that's the goal. Um, those are high yield, higher risk, higher reward. Um, and we also have cash flow deals where they're making seven, eight, nine percent cash on cash, where they're getting paid quarterly. So again, it's really the appetite. You know, me personally, because I'm an investor, you know, I take off the business hat and I put my investor hat on. I mean, I want to be diversified. I, I like going to the mailbox once a quarter and getting a check. Um, but at the same time, I also like having higher yield opportunities that are out there that we know are appreciating, even in a potentially down market. And, um, you know, when people say to me, when do you think the next correction's coming? And I go, I, I don't know. It could be 12 months, could be two days, could be three years. Um, you know, we got an interesting election coming up again. But at the end of the day, I, I want to be prepared to, to be in an up market and a down market to be able to still get our investors the returns we project. And speaking of up market, down market, you've been investing since 2004, 2005, so 15 years you went through one of the worst markets for real estate in a century. Yeah. So what was that like? And you were investing in developments at the time and, and those may or may not have, you know, done well in the recession. So, you know, what's your experience there and how did that inform your current investing strategy? Yeah. The sponsors I worked with had cash and cash is king. They're in a down cycle, as you know. So they were able to get significant discount on property in Washington, DC during the, the recession. So, you know, when you're going in and buying property, 20%, 30% of, of its overall value, selling it for 60 to 80%, you're making money. Um, and so that was really the, the strategy was to, to do things that uh, others couldn't do. And at the time I was doing projects with some sponsors that were doing like two to eight unit condo conversions where they would take a brownstone or a row house in DC that was three stories and convert it into six to eight unit condos. And, uh, you know, basically tripling, quadrupling the, the value of that property through the sale of the condos. And so DC, you know, I was in DC primarily DC didn't get as hit as bad as like an Atlanta or Tampa or Detroit. We still grew pretty good at, at double digit. And um, so, yeah, having cash at the time was great. So being liquid, I always tell people like if they say, look, I got a million dollars that I want to invest. I say, okay, keep a half a million of that in cash and keep the other 500,000 available to invest 
in real estate, maybe some stocks and bonds, diversify yourself so that if we do have a correction, you still have a, a nice chunk of cash. And that's what I learned is, is when you're in a down cycle, if you have cash, you get to call a lot of shots because you're helping a lot of people too to get out of from, from underwater. But, um, but no, I mean, you know, look, we are probably going to see something here. You know, I would say in the next 12 to 24 months, um, how bad it is could be really bad. It could be, eh. um, I hope it's more of the, eh. and what I'm starting to see more is that it's going to be more of an, eh. but it depends what market you're in. If you're in uh, high taxed markets, um, 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 reduced revenue headquarters are leaving those markets. Be careful, be careful. Go into those markets where populations are growing. Saturation is low for the product you want to invest in. Um, and, uh, and stay in, you know, fiscally conservative markets. That's my, that would be my recommendation. Yeah. We do see a lot of companies and, and jobs and people leaving some of those more expensive areas, either from a taxation standpoint or whatever you want to say, but they're leaving the coasts mainly. I mean, we see a lot of immigration to, to Texas and, and Florida and other places like that, Georgia, mm-hmm. um, specifically because it's a, it's an easier regulatory environment. It is. I mean, and, and, you know, you look at the largest generation in our country right now, which is the millennials and um, a lot of them have student debt. And the last thing in the world they want to do is live in a house that's 20 miles from their work with a 30 year fixed rate mortgage and three cars. They want to live in the city. They want to live across the street from mass transportation or metro transportation. They want to live across the street from their favorite restaurant and their coolest bar where their great bands hanging out. And they want to be able to eat, live, work, play, and sleep in that same location. Um, and that's, that's where we're kind of focusing our, our investing is, is those big cities that uh, are close to Metro affordable, not, you know, urban affordable, but affordable in a way that, you know, you can get in there for reasonable um, price per square foot to come in and buy and, uh, and not have to worry about significant debt. Um, it's interesting. I was down in Atlanta about a year ago and there's so much product down there for rent that when our developer who's taking his model from DC and opening it up down in Atlanta brought that down there, it was like, holy crap, where'd this guy come from? Because now he's selling product a very affordable amount and, and millennials can go in and buy you know, something for a very affordable price and have ownership, which is great. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a millennial, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I own a condo, I live in a condo and mm-hmm. I think it's great. I mean, yeah. I'm not in the hippest part of town, but I like it. No, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think, look, it's just, uh, we got to adapt to that generation because that's what they want. And, and if we want to offer them housing and a product that we have available to them, then we got to make sure we meet their needs and that's their need. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also, uh, I love not mowing my own yard. <laughs> I have three boys, so if you need one to help, let me know. So. <laughs> yeah, we're just a couple hours apart from... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're going to take a quick break for okay. our sponsor. Excellent. All right, John, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, the first one, what is the best investment that you've ever made? 
Oh man, so ground up new construction in Washington DC Northwest. It was supposed to be a 24 month investment. We came in for $750,000 of limited partnership equity with uh, my one of my closest invest, uh, sponsors. Uh, the deal ended up going an extra to 10 months, but we turned our 750,000 into 640,000. So uh, that was a fantastic deal. Uh, our investors were a little upset at first, but when we ended up giving them more money in their Christmas document the next year, they were pretty happy. So that Wait, was so I'm 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 missing something. Yeah, I'm missing something here. Yeah, what yeah, happened? Yeah. Can can so you walk us through that? It again? was a 24 month. It was supposed to be a 24 month deal. We were doing a ground up 20 unit residential only condo uh, new development, and our company brought in 750 thousand dollars of equity. And uh, we were projected to make about 398,000 over the two years. Well, we ended up getting delayed about eight to 10 months. Uh, you, know, you know how it is in this area. You have this crazy stuff called snow that happens to accumulate. Yes. We had a new casino that was going in over in National Harbor that decided to steal one of the three largest construction or concrete companies in all of Washington, D.C. We lost power. I can't even count. I lost count on the number of times we lost power in the, in the district. And um, the district is a little bit tardy at times on permitting. So that, <laughs> that took a good 10 months, I would say. And uh, our, our investment went from, you know, and again, this doesn't always happen, disclaimer, but we, we ended up making uh, 637,000 on our 750,000 in about a 33 month period. Okay, so, so originally you said you turned that 750 into the, the 680 or whatever. And I was like, yeah. that's going down. So no, 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 no. We, made, the... we made an additional 640 on top of our 750. So yeah, it was gotcha. about an 89% return project IRI, which was unbelievable. Hand, yeah, no, grand slam. yeah, it was really good. On the other side of that, Yes. My original interpretation of what you said might have been more appropriate for the second this question. question. Yeah. What is the worst investment you ever made? You know, it happened early, knock on wood, on uh, in our company's history. Uh, we had a single family uh, property in uh, Charles County, Maryland. Uh, we brought in $200,000 of capital for a purchase of a single family renovation. And unfortunately, the guy who utilized our money, so he, he fabricated the numbers. Um, we unfortunately gave him the entire boat of money because we had done two deals with him previously that went really well. And uh, it was a total bust. It was a total bust. So I had to get out there. We did a, a, a quick claim deed. Um, and we were able to get the attorney to turn the property over to us without having to go through a foreclosure. Thank God. Well, then here I am, you know, the money guy now having to become a rehabber. And, uh, you know, I basically, <laughs> by the grace of God, found the, not the literal mayor of the town, but the figuratively mayor of the town, which was a nice older woman who owned a coffee shop down the road. And she connected me with everybody and anybody, con contractors, uh, landscapers. And in about a five-week period, I got the house ready. We sold it for 96% of our investment. And then, you know, we just had some serious conversations with the borrower who decided, you know, okay, I need to do the right thing. And we've got back about 70% of our money. Believe it or not, five years later, we're still trying to work with them, but didn't lose money. And uh, we still came out on top, but learned a ton, learned a ton. Um, know your numbers. Don't give them the money up front. Make sure you see the property and you're comfortable with it. And uh, so I was gracious enough to, to learn those, those life lessons uh, sooner than later. 
Wow. That sounds like it was a tough experience, even though it wasn't financially devastating necessarily. Sounds like the actual experience itself was emotionally draining. A lot of long nights, <laughs> of long nights couldn't sleep. You know, yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really so. So yeah, failure sometimes it sucks, but you learn a lot. You learn yep. a lot. Yeah. So my favorite question of all these three questions is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? Wow. Um, surround yourself with winners. Be with people that uh, can help you grow and um, you know, have a mentor, at least one mentor that you can call to talk to, have a cup of coffee with, uh, jump on the phone with. My mentor is my, my business partner. And he just happens to be my business partner. We're on the phone five, six, seven times a day. Um, always bouncing ideas off of him for both my personal and for the company. And, um, you know, that would, to me, be the best advice I can give someone who's investing. If someone who's going to start up a business, my advice would be, hey, find your, your, your value when you go and talk to somebody that you're going to bring services to. Um, I found right away that I had something of value that I can provide to several businesses. My phone doesn't stop ringing because they know what I can offer them. So find what that value, that value is. Uh, Simon Sinek calls it your why. What's your why? Why do people like Taylor? Why do guys like John? Because we do something that somebody else can't and uh, they want more of it. So that's what you need to find as a business owner. And in real estate, there's so many ways to do it and it's uh, never ending, so it's great, yeah. Nice, I like that a lot. John, thanks for everything today. Thank you yeah. for teaching us about the uh, development investment industry. It's definitely uh, fascinating. Where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about your business and you and you know all the stuff you're doing? Yeah, thanks for asking. So our, our website is uh, www.gidinvestments.com. And um, you can also reach out to me anytime on LinkedIn, Facebook, I'm on social media. My email address is my first initial J and my last name, Rabino at jidinvestments.com. That's probably the best place to meet me, uh, meet, meet up with me or find me. Uh, if you're local in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, I'm happy to buy you a cup of coffee and take you out on a tour of our eight story project down at Buzzard Point, 110 condos, mixed use right on the river there. So come on out for a free tour and a cup of coffee anytime. I'm happy to show you around. And uh, if I can help your listeners any way, shape or form with anything they're doing, whether it's through my company or just giving them some advice, happy to do so anytime. Nice, I'm gonna put you on the spot. I host a meetup here in Richmond, 500 members. Wow. Be down to come down sometime. Oh man, that would be us. awesome. I would love to come down and just be part of it, let alone have the honor to speak. So yeah, definitely let me know. I'd be happy to come down anytime. All right, we'll talk about that offline. So any, anybody in time. Richmond, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, so, sounds good. Thanks for joining us today once again. Uh, to all the listeners out there, thanks for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Big help. If you know anyone that could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, wants to invest in real estate, whatever, please share this show with them and uh, get them involved. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week. And we will talk to you on the next episode.